The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. Do you have a desire to be famous? Do you want hordes of people screaming your name? Then ask your therapist if Hollywood's right for you. Hollywood, where you can work your entire first year as an unpaid intern, followed by a mandatory minimum 18-hour workday with guaranteed unpaid overtime. Where sexual assault is so common, you get to sign a waiver promising not to sue even before you start your new job. Warning, side effects may include insomnia, heavy drug use, thousands of dollars in therapy, alcoholism, bulimia, hallucinations, loss of integrity, complete loss of moral compass, bleeding from the fingernails after trying to claw your way to the top, as well as excessive chapping of the lips from kissing everyone's ass. If you have these or any other side effects or begin to question your life choices, please contact your therapist, because nobody in Hollywood gives a damn. Hollywood, shut up and take it. G'day, guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, Your Buddy Bear. I, I like that he does that. He's doing the Your Buddy Bear. Bear Fjorda, the baddest bear in the cage, talking about all things Hollywood. We're, of course, going to talk about Alec Baldwin. We're, of course, going to talk about Brian Laundrie. But really, to start the entire thing off, I think there is something we really, really, really need to discuss. What's that, Summer? Um... And, and I mean, no offense when I say this. That okay? means you're going to offend me, aren't you? A little bit, maybe. Okay. Okay. Uh, coming back from COVID. Yes. Are you finding that you have erectile dysfunction? Because today there was a whole thing that came out saying that men who have had COVID may suffer from erectile dysfunction. It's oh. actually affecting the porn industry. Oh, yeah. That, 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 that thing is as flaccid as a melting icicle. Really? No. Okay. <laughs> So is that is that a side effect? You I had no idea that was a side effect. I feel bad for anyone who is suffering because of that, because obviously it doesn't have anything to deal with other medical conditions that our pills could commonly take care of, which mm-hmm. means they're just kind of left flapping in the wind. No pun intended. Actually, yes, pun intended. But I don't suffer from it. So I'm quite happy about that. So you didn't have that side effect? No, I did not have flaccid penis syndrome. Well, apparently it's caused such an issue that it's now starting to affect the porn industry. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, I would think COVID in itself affected the porn oh, industry. Oh, the, the COVID definitely penises. affected the porn industry, but people are trying to come back, and it's creating a problem. Well, perhaps this is COVID's way of saying, hey, we're not ready for you guys to engage in coitus yet for the mainstream media. They've so got to make a living. So here's flaccid penis. Well, they got to make a living. They do, and they are in one of the hardest industries ever to make a living. They really are. So especially the men in that industry. Yeah, it's, it's true. So... So for anyone that doesn't know, adult film and uh, all kinds of that, like anything to do with photography or video or OnlyFans, like if you're working in the adult film industry, it's very, very hard to make a living. Not everyone's Trisha Paytas. There are a lot of people just trying to like scrape out a living and especially for the men, um, it, it can be really, really difficult and it's very competitive and very, very demanding. And for anyone that wants to know, Jesse James is a dick, but... There, there are two names. I don't mean to stop you. Right oh, now. and James, James Dean. Dick. I uh, was thinking of James Dean, the James porn Dean. star, but Jesse James, the one that was married to Sandra Bullock, he is also a dick. Oh. So it works in both ways. Keep going. Um, there, so there are two names that come to mind when I think of porn star, and that's from both my experience watching pornography and mainstream media, and that is uh, Lupe Fuentes and I think Asa Akira, and both at different points were like porn hubs or the porn industry's lead faces. Like these mm-hmm. are the people who had the most searches ever and whatnot, um, but. I guarantee you their history goes back years by the time they were anywhere recognizable. Oh, yeah, of course. And not to mention years of either poor pay or no pay, uh, getting cheaped, gypped, probably getting assaulted in one or two of their videos because the director didn't like a cut, they weren't willing to do something, and they did it anyways. That does happen. It that is, is really unfortunate. not an easy job. It is not a simple job. And the people involved, uh, you want to talk about grinding. Anyone who's ever the face of an industry like that, like Asa, she's now Pornhub's new It Girl. Uh, she's not young. She's not her early twenties. She didn't make a. She didn't have some breakout film, and now she's super popular. She probably she's went done this for years. I, I think my biggest problem with the adult film industry yeah. is I think people in the adult film industry should be allowed into the Screen Actors Guild. 
and the producer's guild. Yeah. What's so weird is on a porn shoot, you go in and the crew that you're seeing there is the same crew you'll see during the week shooting um, Leno. It's the same crew you'll see shooting Kimmel. Right, you guys, it's, it's the same your world is really, really small. small. It's the same crew, it's the same lighting guy, it's the same grip, it's the same everyone. The only difference is those guys are crew, like they're, 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 t- they're with the union, um, and they're taking this gig sometimes on the side. But if we made the adult film industry union, right, a lot of these problems would go away, and they're actors. I, they, they're actors. I do think they should be union. I think they should be given the same protections. Right, because when you look at – no one's making – if you've had sex, you know that no one is making that face when you're having coitus with them, especially not you, Jimmy, with your two-and-a-half-inch in bed. I'm just <laughs> saying no one's making that face. Your it's, girlfriend's it's playing true. It Nobody's like, ah, yeah. It's, it's like, are we done? You're on they're, my hair. They're like WWE. Everyone <laughs> thinks it's real, but it's fake as hell. But the action happening, it's they're really having sex in front of you. There is insertion. It's just not they're acting. real. They're yeah. acting. I, I find it interesting. Like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, points to the girls in porn. They make it look like they're enjoying it. You don't hear, ow, you're on my hair. Dude, move your elbow. Ow, you're leaning on my boob. No, you don't hear that. <laughs> no, you hear exactly what the male audience wants to hear. Which is more, harder, and yes. I do think there's going to be a market in the adult film industry where they make really mainstream films that just include um, heavy-duty, hardcore sex. So it becomes really high-end films that to include sex. Right. I think that really is a direction that would make a lot of money really, really well. And so I look forward to seeing somebody do that. I also think uh, a a create your own porn studio Mm -hmm. would do really well. Like if you're in LA, a smart thing to do would be a create your own porn studio, make it up. People rent the place for an hour. You can have the porn stars. I know. And and everyone can do their own kind of demos and stuff, but that would be a good way to do it and a good way to source new talent. Do you think, I'm sorry, we have time. Do you think that would create an opportunity for the porn stars to get into those guilds? Or do you think it would create a situation where less people get into those guilds if they brought porn to the mainstream uh, visual media? I think we will have less porn stars, Mm -hmm. the same as we have less people in the film industry. Mm -hmm. But I think the porn stars we do have will be more protected. I think they'll make more money. Um, And I think there needs to be some legitimacy to their industry. Makes sense. But I'm definitely, definitely uh, would hope so, Liz, because I would hate the fact if they managed to get so far. I, I have allowed. to cut in. You just got kicked off your live stream. Is it for violating community? It's this conversation, it's isn't it? It's for violating community guidelines. Okay. It doesn't say anything. About I would, the I would refute that very violation. quickly. Submit, refute that. I'm submitting an appeal. <laughs> um, so he got kicked off his live stream, guys. We are going to go to break. Uh, we're going to be on with Michelle Pence. We're going to be talking about Brian Laundry. Uh, for those asking it, what happened with Alec Baldwin. Uh, it's a very similar thing that happened and how Brandon Lee got shot. One bad packing job, people get shot. It's really unfortunate and it sucks. But it is, you know, it, it's it's not something I can comment on until we actually know what happened. We have no idea what's happened. We have no idea what's gone on. I wouldn't personally be comfortable commenting on it. I know um, Bear thinks that... Um, there should be, you know, a criminal investigation and people should arrest Alec Baldwin. No, I That's don't think that. That's what you said yesterday. That. No, hold on. New information came out, right? Came out that something about the handler was mm-hmm. improperly setting up the firearm before giving it to what's-his-name and then Baldwin is what's-his-name. Alec should, Baldwin. He, pract- he was practicing with it and there was some friendly fire. I can understand that. What sounded sus at first was just like, oh, here's a firearm supposed to have blanks in it, supposed to have all this other stuff in it. It's just a prop. And then two people end up dead. And then we learned it has some kind of spread to it. There's additional stuff came out, which made it a little bit better. Okay, but you started off with like, arrest Alec Baldwin! He shot two people. Accident, no accident. Actually, fuck that. You can't accidentally shoot two people with a a one-shot repeating pistol. That doesn't happen. Especially if they're not in the same area. Like, you didn't just hit one guy and it ricocheted out of nowhere to come back and hit the other guy. But the way it happened after some more information came out has kind of turned my mind So you slightly. no longer want to kill Alec Baldwin. It's not a witch hunt against Alec Baldwin anymore. It was kind of a little bit of a witch hunt against Alec Baldwin. He would Baldwin. have deserved it if I hadn't seen the new information. Okay, so you made a judgment without all of the information. Technically, that, <laughs> technically that article did. 
mm-hmm. before we had all the info. I was just following it in line. Okay, so the news media told me to do it. I can only create. Oh, okay, let's go ahead and. Uh, again, I can only create an assumption based off the, the information I have at the time. And so you did no research. You took a BuzzFeed article's information for it. And you expect me to put any credence in your opinion here. You know, you're kind of right. This is why we have anti-vaxxers anyways. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. Your Alec Baldwin idea the is like the anti- of the anti-vax movement. Yes. You're like the, yours is like the arrest him equivalent of the anti-vax movement. Uh, you know, they almost arrested Hillary, Quint- Hillary Clinton, Clinton, too, for the same, similar reasons. For what? Trump. Trump never tried to arrest her. You know what I mean? The whole, like, arrest whatever back in 2016. Yeah, I'm going to say with Hillary Clinton, the same thing I say with Donald Trump. What's like that? With Hillary Clinton, after Donald Trump won, I'm like, she's an unemployed grandmother. Leave her Leave alone. Leave her alone. Now everyone's picking on Trump. I'm like, he's an unemployed grandfather. Leave him, Leave him alone. alone. Worry about who's in office now. Behave yourselves, children. American politics just pisses me off. You guys are crazy. Yeah. All right, guys, we are going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to be talking about Brian Laundry. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fiorda, and we'll be right back after this. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. Hang on one sec. G'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. As you can hear, we're already chatting. I'm really, really, really excited. We are talking to Michelle Pence. I do want to give a quick shout out and say thank you to Tiny Bubbles Hair Salon in Palm Springs, California, for keeping your red carpet ready, even during quarantine. Trainer Joe's Fitness in Palm Desert, getting Bear ready for his next fight. And True Rest Sedona and Las Vegas and Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs, California, are doing our giveaways this week. So we are going to have Michelle ask a couple of questions about her podcast about her show and if you answer it correctly we'll give you an atv ride in palm springs california or a float at true rest sedona or las vegas and i'd like to without any further ado welcome michelle pence to the show today hi hi summer and bear thank you again for having me on the show thank you for coming on this is much much better i was not doing great last week so we wanted to redo this and take (laughs) it out of rotation and then a whole bunch of big news came up in the meantime Yes, huge news announced yesterday. I think that the nation uh, was well aware of the recent finding and recent identification of Brian Laundrie's remains. So I think that was extremely shocking for everybody. Maybe a lot of people expected that to be the outcome, but I know I personally was really shocked about that news. 
Well, the question is, and the first question I know everyone's been asking online, do you think he killed himself? I do. I, I think he did. I think his intention was to do that upon entering the Carlton Reserve. I think he did it fairly soon from the time he entered in on the 13th uh, when he drove to the reserve, went in there. I think that was his intention to begin with. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I don't know if they'll find evidence of that because of the the state of his remains. But I think that it's very, very probable that, yes, he took his own life. It was speculated that he could have possibly died due to some flooding or getting trapped in a river or a creek. Is that? I, I agree to with it? her. I agree with her. I, I think mm -hmm. it was. I think he was just chicken shit. I'd like to remind everyone every time right. we swear on the show, we give money to the Boys and Girls Club of America, the Humane Society of America, and Free MMA. We swear because we care. Fuck yeah. Uh, that's the Sean Patrick Flannerty rule. He said the f word seventy two times in thirty <laughs> minutes. Um, so. I, I don't know. I just, I think he was a coward. Mm. I think he was a coward. Mm. Now, yeah, I, have... I think so too. I think he, he had intended to go in there to do that. He left his phone and his wallet at home. He did not intend to communicate um, or leave that area at all. So I think that's, that's evidence alone that he left his form of communication at home. So that's, he had no intention of going back at that point. One of the uh, people that was talking about this was uh, Dr. Grande. He's um, a, a YouTube personality. He's a psychiatrist. And he said that a lot of this follows the pattern of, um, of domestic abuse. And, you know, when we're seeing the issue with uh, Gabby and mm -hmm. Brian on, on the police recorder, this is certainly not going to be the first case when it gets bad enough that it gets seen. It's been going on for a long time and it's gotten really bad. Uh, do you think this is a case of domestic abuse gone wrong where he, you know, killed her, killed himself? Yeah, absolutely. It was. Um, I think that we saw evidence that their relationship was physical, that there was abuse going on. Uh, we definitely saw some um, psychological abuse going on just via the police uh, dash cam videos and, um, the time they stopped them in, in Mohab. So we saw that kind of dynamic already happening. The family has said they didn't see anything, or at least the sister has come out and said she saw no evidence of that. But it's we saw them, witnesses saw them being violent with each other. So we know that was already happening, and it was just a matter of that situation escalating and that dynamic escalating over a stretched out period of time where, yeah, I think it ultimately ended in, in murder, sadly. Certainly, sadly. Is it at all possible that we're going to see some kind of alternative judicial end to this matter, meaning is it now an open and shut case? Is the family going to face any kind of repercussions or at least whoever was hiding stuff from the police, allowing Brian, obviously he had help getting from the situation where he left Gabby's body to this place where he ultimately either died or committed suicide, as we were talking about. Do you think anyone else is going to have to face any kind of repercussion for this if they're proved to be involved? Or is the case just done? I think it's, it's possible, and I think it's a slim possibility. I think that they're going to have a difficult time. They can definitely try to charge the parents with obstruction of justice, but that's not going to be an easy thing for them to do. And it's not going to be an easy thing for them to prove because there has to be establishment of knowledge and intent, right? Did they know that he had committed a crime? Had he told them he had committed a crime? We don't know what he said, and he's not around to tell authorities, this is what I told my parents. Um, so, Right now, they're not speaking. They're not speaking to authorities. They have a lawyer. And, you know, to their credit, that has kept them very well protected from investigators. And it's kept them protected from um, potentially any charges being filed against them as well. So they've been really smart on that end to not say anything that could possibly implicate them. Um, but, you know, they would have to prove, did, did they intentionally help him avoid detection and arrest? All of that we don't know. It's a big mystery at this point because they're not talking 
And we hope that now that Brian is deceased, we've proven it's been proven that that is him, that the parents would sort of do the decent and ethical thing, right, to come out and at least at minimum tell authorities what they know. We're, I think we're all hoping that's going to be the case. That's a- do you think the parents um, knew, knew he'd killed himself or do you think they were surprised too? I think they were surprised. I think they had a suspicion. I think they were holding out hope that he had not done that. But I think they had a suspicion because they had told authorities, if you remember when they notified authorities, right, that he had left uh, in his vehicle to the Carlton Reserve. They said he was um, depressed or upset, possibly suicidal. So they knew that he was in that state of mind to begin with. And I think they knew there was a, a high probability that he could definitely commit suicide out there. Um, and I do think the parents, from what the attorney has said in his interviews yesterday, I think the parents had tried to talk him out of going. But again, Brian's an adult, right? So he could have said, you know what, I'm going. I'm, I'm upset. I need some. And according to the attorney, Brian told them that he needed some quote-unquote fresh air. So he's an adult. He can definitely, they, they couldn't hold him down and keep him in the house. And, um, but I think they knew. They, they had a, a good inkling of what the outcome was going to be. It's, it's, well, I guess I can't say we're too surprised by that. Of course, you're going to feel sad whenever you lose a child. And I, to, to a degree... Um, feel bad for them having to experience that, you know? I wish the circumstance was different, of course, having him not just... Well, here's the next thing. I do know what they're feeling. My son was killed last year by a drunk driver, and I can tell you, even if he'd killed someone, I would have preferred him to be... I mean, he wouldn't have, but I I would have preferred him to be alive. Like, I would rather have seen him in prison Mm -hmm. than, than... than to go through that. So my heart does go out to the parents in that way. It really does. It goes out to Gabby Petito's parents as well. I had, um, I, 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 I know exactly what both sets of parents are feeling and yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Not, there are not words to describe it. So my heart goes out to them, but in Brian Laundrie's parents case, I I'm sure they would have preferred to see him in prison than gone. It's fair to think that they would come out and say, or at least bring up what they might know as far as the case goes. But I wouldn't. Is it possible that they I, would want to keep it back and kind of preserve his name? Because right now, everything's still speculation. There's no evidence one way or the other to whether he actually killed her. I wouldn't. If it was me and I knew my, like, my, my son's gone. Anything I found mm-hmm. bad, I'd want to bury. Now, in the difference would be um, my son was the victim. Right. Of the drunk driver. But if he was the perpetrator, no matter how I felt, I would share the information. Mm. Um, so I, the, the desire would be to preserve. But no, the, the parents, I hope, have the decency to share that information. Now, uh, on your podcast, The Crime Shack, are you going to be have you talked some about him dying yet? I have not. I have not done a podcast on the case as of yet. Um, I may do that. I may do one in the next coming weeks. Um, I haven't decided that yet if it's too overly saturated or not, but um, I think it's definitely a good case all the way around to talk about. Um, I think it's it's a good case to talk about the different elements that were um, going on in that case, which is, you know, domestic, not only domestic violence, we have control issues. We have, um, you know, sort of the, um, the van quote unquote van life and how situations like that can add stressors to a relationship. So I think there's a lot of different aspects to talk about. So yeah, definitely. I will definitely consider doing a, a podcast episode on that. Do you think this entire case will have any effect on the more mainstream movement of van life? Are people not getting more trepidatious? If, even if they're alone, are they going to be more worried about potentially oh, dying question. or having struggles in the forest, getting lost? Um, because all they've learned now is van life can lead to death, especially if you bring someone else along with you. 
definitely. I think that's something to be concerned about. And I don't know if you guys heard, there's another recent case that's going on uh, with a woman named Emily Ferlazzo. And super similar case, her and her husband were traveling in a converted van, and he shot her and dismembered her. Um, That just came out in the news. So we have another very similar situation in a van that has happened. And I think it definitely is a conversation to be had, especially with um, younger individuals, younger adults who, I mean, van life is enticing, right? Who, I mean, you want to go out, you want to travel, you want to kind of have the freedom to roam around and be mobile, you know, with your work and also be able to see, you know, the world at the same time. But when you're traveling, and I don't know, I'm sure everybody listening has traveled with somebody at some point in time, it's not always a stress-free environment traveling with somebody, even outside of a van. You have different things that happen when you're traveling, yeah, that just come up and add, uh, you know, unexpected circumstances that add stress to a situation and people's quirks and people's particular, you know, things that they have going on in their normal daily routines can add stress to any situation. But being in a confined space 24-7 can certainly add tension to a relationship. And in their case, which I think they already had a tumultuous relationship, it just multiplied that situation times 10 for them. So I think it's definitely a cautionary tale to anybody who opts to do this or is in the midst of doing this to be very aware of the situations that can occur and how a a dynamic within a situation um, can definitely change depending on stressors. I I can see that, that, that makes sense. There are days Mm -hmm. I want to put a pillow over bear's face quite often, like most nights. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we are going to be chatting more with Michelle Pence. We are going to be talking about the Brian laundry case. And then I want to jump into her podcast and talk about what she does. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, who I think I just publicly threatened to smother, and the host of the Crime Shack podcast, Michelle Pence. We'll be right back after this. Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back Behind the Scenes. G'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We're on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fjorda, and our very special guest, the Crime Shack host, 
one of my favorite people to listen to. You should check her out. Seriously, go check out the Crime Shack podcast. She's amazing. Michelle Pence. Where can they find you? So tell them everywhere they can find you because I want them to go listen to you. Absolutely. So you can find me at my website, of course, at thecrimeshack.com, www.thecrimeshack.com. You can also find me at Facebook and Instagram at the Crime Shack Podcast. And I'm also on TikTok at Shell's Crime Shack. Go check her out. She is really, really good. Now, what got you into doing this? What made you go? I know we, I promise we'll talk more about Brian Laundry. I know people online are curious about that, but I want to know what got you into doing this because this is not an easy stuff thing to wash your brain with. What got you into doing it? No, it's, it's definitely not a subject for, for everyone. And I even, it's, it's funny because when I have a conversation to people about what I do, I'm always, hesitant to tell them because of their reaction. They either love it or they hate it, right? Or they say, oh, I could never listen to that. I, I had a friend actually say that. I could never listen to your podcast. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. It's not for everyone. Um, so what got me into true crime, I have always been interested in true crime as long as I can remember. Um, it's something that started out as a very young age. I had family members who um, were involved with the district attorney's office and I would always hear stories and cases that would go on. So it was sort of an environment I was in to begin with. And my interest just peaked uh, when I went to college. I ended up studying criminal justice and have a degree in criminal justice and certificate in forensics. So um, it was something I was always passionate about, and it never really left me. So it came to the point where um, when podcasts started to boom and the true crime industry started to take off, I listened to several different podcasts and true crime podcasts. And I was like, you know what? I love, you know, I, I talk to my spouse about true crime cases every day. He, I'm sure he gets sick of it. Why don't I tell these same stories in my own podcast? And that's kind of how I started um, with the Crime Shack. That's amazing. How does your husband handle it? Like, how do you guys, on, on a personal note, how do you maintain the relationship after you've kind of, had a day of delving into the nuts and bolts of the goal. You know what? He, I don't get into too much gory detail with him. Sometimes, you know, he's super patient about it and he'll, he'll listen to the cases that I've come across and, and you can't help but share those things. I mean, when, when I come of across, course. you know, cases, it's very exciting. I hate to resort exciting, but it's, it's very interesting to me to share information about those cases. Um, and he will definitely listen to me and talk to me about it. He's not, not interested in it, but there is a limit. And I know he has a limit to what, what information that, you know, he'll want to get into. But other than that, you know, it's not something I talk about 24 seven with him, obviously. And I do have other friends and family that I also saturate them with the information that I, that I get throughout the day. So I can sort of spread the love, if you will. So it's not one person sitting there listening to all the, all, all the dirty details all day. That's correct. That's correct. And I do separate, obviously, this isn't something that I do uh, every minute of the day. It does take up a good portion of my day because this is my full-time job. But mm -hmm. I do, of course, do other things and, and talk about other things and have other interests. Do you, um, so when you, when you look at this and when you do this, do you have cases that kind mm -hmm. of jump out at you and they're your favorites? I know that's a, an odd way of phrasing it, but do you have your favorite cases here? Yes, for sure. Um, and several of those cases are on uh, my podcast that I've talked about. Um, I think when I look at cases, obviously, when you're doing a podcast, as you know, when you're doing topics, you want to find a topic that there's a lot of public information on. There's a lot of media coverage on. A lot of cases that um, are out there, you may get just minimal information based on a uh, police report or a media report, and it's not enough information to make a story out of. So I look for cases that are very intriguing, that have a lot of different elements to them. Um, you know, maybe the story is very complicated or there's a lot of different um, just aspects of the case to get into, maybe a lot of mysteries to it. 
And so I kind of look for cases that are just super interesting um, or fascinating. And maybe that case has been solved and maybe it hasn't. But um, it's something that definitely people like to talk about and I like to talk about and kind of get into or, you know, cases that will kind of stick in your mind even after you've read them. They will just stay with you for a few days. So that's kind of what I look for. What's the case that most sticks in your mind? There's a case that I did an episode on, uh, the individual, the victim's name was Robert Wone. And if you haven't looked at this case, um, definitely go to my website, listen to that episode, Google the case. It is absolutely fascinating. And there, it is a case where you go, I, I know who did it, but they could never prove who did it. And it is just a wild case all the way around. So that, that case is probably, one of the most interesting cases I've ever read. Is there a case that comes to mind that either shocks you to your core or one that you found that you just, you couldn't do because of how terrible it was? Yeah, they're, they're usually the cases that I, I usually, I wouldn't say have an aversion to, but I'm, I'm very hesitant to do is anything with a, um, uh, uh, abuse of a baby or murder of a baby. Um, that's very troubling to me. And there was a case called, um, sort of the nickname of the case, if you will, is baby Brianna. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. Very traumatic, very horrific abuse of a, of a child that ultimately ended in death of a child. Um, I don't think I could ever, that is a very famous case. I don't think I could ever talk about that. That is extremely disturbing and sort of an avenue that I mm, kind of would avoid. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I don't think anyone would ever truly enjoy hearing about baby trauma or death. But Right. Now, if we go back to – anyone mind if we go back to Brian Laundry for a second? I have no, one no, more no, thing please. I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of uh, – especially when the first – thoughts or topic of him being found came out plenty of people were trolling the aspect that the father found him so quickly uh someone referenced the time of half an hour if i don't know again we can't tell if it's fake or that obviously they didn't plant his bones or remains or whatnot but do you think it's kind of odd that he was able to find brian so quickly uh when the police force and the resources could not after being told the location identify him anywhere I would say um, I don't think it's it's suspect that they found him so quickly, and I'll tell you why. So the way the reserve is set up, and again, I don't have a map of the reserve in front of me. I'm not sure exactly the different trail locations, but I know they entered into the reserve that day because it had just reopened, and they were allowed to go back in. Now, before they were not allowed to go in, except for that one time when Chris Laundrie went in to tell police about a particular area there. But the family, the the parents were not involved in the search up to that point. So they were allowed and they had agreed with law enforcement to meet them at the reserve. And they walked in from the entrance point of a trailhead where Brian had parked his car. So it was kind of obvious that was where he entered in the reserve, right? Right from the get-go. So they went in where he entered in And they basically followed the trail out, sort of like you would if you were anybody that was going to the reserve, right? You're going to go to the trailhead and head on the trail. And they went about two to three miles in when they happened upon the items. So it was about 45 minutes or so walk from the trailhead. Um, And this area um, had been underwater previously, so that's the reason I know there was a lot of speculation out there, like, why all of a sudden did they find it? They didn't find it before. But remember, this area was, it was underwater, as authorities have stated, so the evidence that was there was not seen. They weren't able to get to it at that time. So now the area is dry. They just happened, the father, yeah, just happened upon the the one item on the one side of the trail. Now authorities found the remains and the backpack on the opposite side of the trail. The father did not find the actual remains. And as far as I know, according to what the attorney said, he did not identify the actual remains. The remains were identified through 
dental records only. So the parents did not actually see the remains themselves. Gotcha. That makes a lot more sense. I'm glad to have that cleared up too, because mm-hmm. I, like Summer was saying earlier on a witch hunt myself, the moment I heard that he found the body, I thought, oh, he just carried the bones from the backpack he had on his back. That had to have been it. No, no way they would have found all this out. But thankfully, it's not the case. And that was wild accusation on my end and that everything is subsided to a, to a degree on that end. Well, the right. And I think, the... Bear, you're not the only one that speculated that. <laughs> I think the question becomes, in this particular case, are we ever going to find out in any way what happened to Gabby Petito? The The case itself has found, I think they said, nine bodies of people we just never bothered to look for. So looking for this one person, we found nine people. One, I think that means we need to reevaluate how we're dealing with any of this, especially with the number of Native women that are missing, the number of people that are missing that have just been brushed off. Um, So it it did bring nine people home and closure to nine families. But do you think with Gabby Petito, this particular case, we're going to get any closure? I, I personally hope so. I hope as far as closure... I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean that they get, you know, they find out what Chris and Roberta Laundrie know and that gives them closure or is finding the DNA on Gabby's body that proves that Brian was the killer going to be closure for them? Um, I don't know. I mean, I hope at this point that, you know, I think there's still, um, investigating the DNA that was found, if there was DNA found on her body. I hope they're still investigating that so that we will get a definitive conclusion that Brian was the killer. Um, at least that will confirm that. We, you know, in the back of our heads, we, we all know that's the case. But obviously, if they can find evidence that prove that, I think there would be some closure on that end. And then, of course, um, whether or not Brian's parents talk that remains to be seen. I don't, I'm, I'm sort of in the camp that I don't know if they will. I don't know if they will smear their son's name any more than it has been. Do you think this case ultimately is going to have a long lasting impact on the laundry family negatively? For instance, public eye, they still have to be people in society. They're not going to become hermits to my understanding for the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about that this morning. I thought, you know, these people, I mean, this is going to stay with them for the rest of their lives. They are now marked by this event, and they are marked by their son's actions. And that's tragic. It's tragic because, yeah, this is absolutely going to impact their lives in in many different ways, and I'm sure in many negative ways, as it already has. Right? They can't leave their home without being heckled and, and being followed by media and the public already and people screaming things at them. Um, so I think that will I think it'll die down to a point. But it's sort of like um, you think of Casey Anthony, right, living her life out in Florida right now. Um, I'm sure she encounters on a daily basis if she goes out in public um, comments from from people. So I think that, yeah, this is going to. Sadly, it's another sad element to this case of uh, this is another another couple that their lives will be heavily impacted by this event. I have to ask because you brought it up. What's your take on Casey Anthony? Oh, geez. Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> I, I thousand percent, thousand percent guilty. And um, I think in her case, the prosecution just did a poor job laying out the evidence because it's the prosecution's job to prove guilt. So I think they just did a poor job, sadly. And that happens. It happens. If you get a prosecution team, and and I had even read that the juries did not particularly like the head prosecutor, the lead prosecutor. So when that happens, all those, I mean, everything in court, like they said, even for the defendant, it's extremely important for the jury to not hate you, right? To not hate, they're watching you every minute and they're doing, yeah, they're doing the same with the attorneys as well. If they don't like you, 
um, that's not a good thing and that's not going to end well. So, yeah, it was just, I think it wasn't presented well to the jury. They didn't have enough. I don't fault them for what they did. They did their job and they only have to work with what you give them. And if you don't give them enough, they can't convict on the charges and that's just it. So sadly, I think that was the case. I don't know why, but I'm completely blanking on who Casey Anthony is right now. I keep thinking she of that. She killed her kid. That's okay. So oh, I keep thinking of the, yeah, the yeah. mother who killed her kid or something <clears throat> that effect. Beautiful little girl. Was she the one who also went on the news? She was doing interviews talking about her child missing or whatnot, or am I thinking of someone else? Uh, ironically, a lot of them do that. I don't mm. understand that desire. Mm-hmm. So, well, how about this? Why do people who have committed these types of atrocities or murders end up trying to go in the public eye? Do they think it's going to help, hinder, throw off suspicion? Yeah, I think they, they definitely think it'll help. They think that's what the public expects of them. They think that's the reaction that the public wants from them is this is what an innocent person does. So I'm going to go out and speak to the media like Chris Watts. Uh, stupidly yep. did, um, went out and spoke to the media because this is this is what I'm supposed to do, right? I'm supposed to react this way. I'm supposed to seem concerned. And I think that's, that's what their, their thinking is and without really thinking it through on how it's going to end or what it's going to look like when it comes out that they were guilty of it the entire time. Right, because as we discussed earlier, the Laundry family uh... – Using their Fifth Amendment right in this case has worked out uh, almost tactfully beautiful for them to where now it's still up in the air. Don't know who did what. There's a good chance there's not going to be any kind of charges. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to go on. Uh, So I guess it kind of makes sense. They want to be huddled up and maybe that will convince people in the future as well. Those who will try and commit these acts to just say nothing. Right. And I think. Sorry. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's, you hear people say, don't, don't talk to the police, right? You've heard that if you're, if you're ever in a a situation, don't talk to the police. And that is very true because you could be implicated for something you didn't do. That happens a lot. Um, and it is smart to get an attorney right away. Absolutely. Especially if you're in a situation like they're in. So you can't on one hand fault them, for protecting themselves, which is what they've done, and they have done it well, extremely well. And whether or not there'll be charges, um, you know, filed against them remains to be seen. But, um, I mean, we know, obviously, no no further charges can be filed against Brian Laundrie. He's deceased, so that can never happen. And the attorney also said, by the way, he actually spoke with Brian on the 12th and the 13th of September, but he can't say what they spoke about. And you may never know, because... Attorney-client privilege prevails even after death. So, really, you oh, know, see, I thought it did. Yes. That's new to me. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, we may never know what was said. We may never know the information, and that's that. Again, is it's tragic. It's tragic because it leaves Gabby's parents with a huge unknown, with no closure to what exactly happened in Wyoming. What advice would you give to people that are getting into their van life things and trying to do this now, you know, jumping on for the clicks and trying to lock themselves in with someone after we've seen so many cases of this? Right. Um, Know the person that you're going with. Know them very well. Know the dynamics of your situation, and I say that it's kind of a silly thing to say because a lot of people don't know the dynamics of the situation they're in. They don't know the dynamics of their relationship, especially if it's an abusive one. But understand at minimum that you are going to be in a very confined space with someone for hours on end. And anything that happens is going to be a huge stress on you. Anything unexpected that happens is going to be a stress on that relationship. Understand that going in and also have a plan of ending it. So if you're in a situation where you know, you know what, things aren't going good. We're fighting every day. We're at each other's, you know, I don't want to say that, but um, we're at each other's throat and we need to get out of this. One of us needs to leave. Have a plan of escape. Have a plan of leaving. You know, I'm going to call my parents, tell them to come get me. Or you know what? If this doesn't work out, you and I agree that we're going to leave. Something 
um, some kind of plan B to get out of the situation. And I think we saw that with Gabby and Brian. I think it should almost be planned outside of the relationship, just in the off chance that dude mm-hmm. is trying to ax you. I, see, well, here's where I'm caught. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask a question because I know we had a lot of them online. What is the biggest warning sign? We only have a couple of minutes left of the show. What is the biggest warning sign that people should look out for that they are about to be murdered? I know that's the question I've now repetitively gotten on Twitter for you. What is the red flag? What is the warning sign that you're about to be murdered? Oh, I think that's a great question. Um, and I think if everybody knew that, they would they would avoid it, right? Um, I think an in- increased threats, increased violence, in- increased physical violence is a huge clue. Um, I think we see that across the board in all cases where a partner was murdered. You hear it time and time and again. He was threatening me. He was leaving me horrible voicemails. He was harassing me. I think you see that that behavior is increasing at an exponential rate, and there has been physical violence before. You feel you feel scared. You feel fear from the person. And I think the biggest thing is to trust your gut. If you feel fear, if you are afraid of going into a situation or being near a person, trust your gut. I mean, a thousand percent, always trust your gut. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, it, it's hard to know in domestic violence situations what's going to happen, how far it's going to escalate. But be hyper aware of the things that are occurring within that relationship, the physical abuse, the, the verbal abuse. Be very aware of that. And there is help that you can seek out from family, from friends, from the domestic violence hotline um, outside of that relationship. So, yeah, there is help out there. Don't ever think that um, there is nowhere to go. I so, like that. That's so really good advice. So if there's abuse in a relationship, don't go on secluded vacations with well, them. Well, actually, she I think she hit the nail on the head. Um, thank you so, so much for joining us. I'd love to have you on again. I know everyone love, loves uh, chatting with you. Again, sorry about last week. Guys, if you get a chance, go check out the Crime Shack podcast. Michelle Pence is one of my favorite people to listen to. Go listen to her. I promise you will not regret it. Go check her out. And don't forget to check out the radio show at TuneIn BTS on all social media platforms for previous shows, updates, and new guests that we're going to have on. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah we got to talk about I like Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm Summer Helene. This was Behind the Scenes. Thank you very much to the Crime Shack podcast and to our special guest, Michelle Pence. And, of course, my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fiorda. We'll see you guys next week. Good night. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the Scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.